I'm Ben Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much. Maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm Ben. This is Paige. And today we are talking about one of my favorite Disney movies is uh, Hercules. The Disney's Hercules, which is a little bit different than the, the classic story of Hercules, to be fair. But excited to chat through the, the, the path that Hercules paves to freedom. Paige? Yeah, I'm super excited about this conversation. One of the things that was really cool about this movie is one of the very first lines as they're like setting the stage is what is the true measure of a hero? And what I really liked about that is I think it set the exploration of the movie with a really interesting tone. And we actually paused the movie and kind of forecasted and had some ideas and throughout the movie kind of discussed how our ideas about what the message was evolved as we were uncovering the story. And it was really, it was really fun to watch it. So maybe we start off with a recap. You want to do it? Yeah. So Hercules, born as a baby god, Hades, who has plans to destroy the world, overtake Mount Olympus, goes to the fates and finds out that 18 years from now, he can sort of all the planets will align. He can open the the prison of the Titans and they'll help to take over Mount Olympus. But if Hercules fights, Hades will fail. And so Hercules um, becomes an immediate obstacle to Hades plans. He sends his little minions, pain and panic out to go and, and kill Hercules, but first to make him mortal so that he can, and he has to drink every last drop of this formula to, to make him mortal again. And he misses one drop because he gets like started, they get started off or something like that. And, um, and then they can't kill him because he still retains his godlike strength, but he's banished to the earth for the rest of uh, his life, essentially, because only gods can live on Mount Olympus. So he he kind of never really fits in as he's growing up because he's got this like godlike strength, but you know he so he but he's like he's a really good person, but he's just like clumsy and he and he destroys things constantly, and all the villagers hate him because he's like a a, a menace. One finally, he he gets really heartbroken because he like destroys this whole like Agropolis or whatever. Um, and his step, his uh, what do you, what would you call that? Adopted father kind of takes him aside, says, "Hey, we found you with this metal. You might actually secretly be related to the god somehow when you were a baby." So he goes to the temple of Zeus. Zeus says, "You're my kid. I'd love to have you back, but you got to prove that you're a true hero." If you want to get back to Olympus, that's the only way that you can you can become a god again is be, is by being a true hero. And so Hercules sets off on his journey. Don't forget about Phil. He encounters Phil, Phil the the jaded satyr who has who has been a trainer of heroes his whole life, played by Danny DeVito, and he um, 
and he kind of tells him, You're, you don't got what it takes. I'm done training heroes. I'm not in this or whatever. He basically does this whole song and dance about how Hercules is never going to be a hero. I got two words for you. And it's good. You think he's going to say I am no. retired. And no way. Yeah. He, that's, that's Bill's game is he's, he's always miscounting words. But anyway, so Zeus strikes him with lightning and he decides to take Hercules on. Then we go through the heroic training montage, Hercules learning to become a hero and save damsels. Then we go, he meets Meg, the main leading lady character, uh, who is kind of turns the damsel in distress trope on its head. Cause when he first meets her, she is like currently being attacked by the river guardian and Hercules comes to try to save her. And she, he's like, aren't you a damsel in distress? And she's like, I'm a damsel. I'm in distress. I got this and <laughs> get out of here. He kind of saves her from this and now they, and he kind of sort of falls for her a little bit and she plays this aloof character and kind of leaves and, and then uh, it turns out she's working for Hades. And then Hades finds out that Hercules wasn't killed when he was a baby and that Hercules is still around. And so they start throwing monsters at him. Hercules is building up his, his heroic reputation by destroying the monsters. Everything they throw at him, he beats and finally, Hades decides to use Meg against him. Meg betrays him. Hercules is heartbroken. Uh, Hercules makes a deal with Hades to trade his strength for 24 hours, the important 24 hours, for Meg's freedom. And he makes the deal, but says, you can't, you know, no harm can come to Meg. Hades makes the deal. Then later, Meg saves him, kind of pushes him out of the way of a falling obstacle thing while he's weak. And, um, and in do- so doing, she injures herself. So she sacrifices herself for hate for Hercules and that breaks Hades deal. So Hercules gets his strength back, but then Meg is dying. Hercules goes to Mount Olympus, saves the gods in a very heroic fashion. He and Zeus together defeat the Titans. He goes back to try to save Meg, but Meg is dead. She goes to the underworld. So Hercules goes to the underworld after her to try to rescue her, makes a deal with Hades, says, I'll stay, take me for Meg. You love making deals. So Hades obviously makes the deal. Hercules jumps into the river of souls to save Meg. He's dying as he gets there. That was the kind of the gotcha of the deal. As he goes to save Meg, he becomes a God that he, he proves himself a true hero, becomes a God. So now he can't be killed right as the fates are about to snip his, his lifeline. He pulls Meg out. Kicks Hades in and they li- presumably live happily ever after. He gets his likeness in the stars, making Phil finally satisfied and all that. And we have a happy ending. Did I miss anything important, Paige? The last point that I would add is he then is now a god and is allowed to go to Olympus to oh, live right. amongst the gods and decides that he wants to stay on Earth with Meg. Right. Because any That's life, even an immortal one without Meg, wouldn't doesn't, doesn't matter. And all of this is in service to his experience of belonging. And it turns out belonging amongst the gods isn't what he was searching for. He belonging with Meg is where he ultimately finds it. Yeah. A few things, tropes to remember uh, as we explore the metaphors for freedom in this. Heroes, again, just a reminder, heroes are, are there to remind us of our own kind of human potential and our own kind of path to whatever immortality sort of means and represents for us because you can see Hercules uh, is a quintessential version of the heroic choice. He has the choice of being a God and living forever as a God, literally being immortal or the path of sort of becoming one with Meg and having a family and then achieving immortality through DNA. 
sort of. So that's that's the fundamental heroic choice that Hero, uh, Hercules faces. He also, as you mentioned, Paige, he deals with this trope of like belonging. That's kind of like his his motivating force is he just wants to belong. He's always been an outcast for his whole life because he's got this strength. He doesn't really fit in. And so his, his journey, the, the whole thing that moves him in the world is that he wants to belong somehow. I think he does a really cool thing in teaching us about heroicism too. In like, what is his heroic power? What do you think? Determination. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's something it's really cool because even though he does have this godlike strength, the godlike strength alone doesn't actually help him with anything because he's clumsy and he's always destroying things. It takes his willingness to go the distance to find where he belongs that actually like helps him to become a true hero. And which is not the same as being famous because he, he goes and becomes this big hero and he goes to Zeus and he's like, I became a hero. And Zeus is like, sorry, kid, being famous isn't the same thing as being a hero. And then he's like, but how do I become a hero? He's like, you got to figure that out for yourself, kid. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think there's a lot of like factors to consider because like you said, it's the strength, which is like one of his assets. And then also the, the determination and like the willingness to stick with it until it works. And we have this really like beautiful montage of like the training scene where he's like doing all this. He's like trying to hit these targets with swords and knives and like all this stuff. And he keeps missing and missing and missing. And then there's this really beautiful moment where he like accidentally hits a target. And then that spins off this trajectory of success. And so had he not been willing to continue to stick with it, to get to the point where he could experience some experience of success or progress, then he, he wouldn't have made it. And so it's like, but then there's this also this other part that I feel really curious about kind of like wait, can we just, I, I just want to pause and talk about yeah. that thing that you were just saying for a second. Cause <laughs> yeah, that is totally. the, yeah, he talks about it in atomic habits as, um, you know, just because like water can be lowering in temperature, right. And it's mm -hmm. lowering in temperature, but you're not noticing any state change at all. So mm -hmm. the water's getting colder and colder and colder, but it's not until it hits 32 degrees that all of a sudden it crystallizes and it becomes ice. And you can actually tell that it's mm -hmm. been decreasing in temperature. We, we also use the popcorn metaphor sometimes. Like you put yeah. all the ingredients in the pot and you like put it over heat and you stir and it. You're and nothing so happens. hungry and you're just <laughs> staring at this pot and it feels like none of the kernels are ever going to pop. And, and then, then there's this like transition moment where you see one kernel and then you're like, oh, here we go. Yeah. And then from that one kernel become, you know, it starts to accelerate. The progress really starts to accelerate. And you, you see that with Hercules too. He has that one, all these failures. And then he has that one moment where he finally gets almost like an accidental success. But the accidental success, actually, honestly, I think that's what mastery is. It's just a series of accidental successes. You become so, uh, so good at the accidental successes that they become your norm and they're no longer accidental. So I just want to like pause because I think that that's a really beautiful lesson for freedom is just because you haven't seen the outward signs of success yet does not mean that you are not on the path to achieving that success. Yeah. And I also think that as witnesses of somebody in their experience of growth, that we don't always get access to the behind the scenes, how many failed attempts were made before a person starts to achieve. Because what we notice is like, oh, they're really successful and they have this skill or they have this accomplishment, but we don't. And so like, I think as we start our own journey, 
because we don't always get to see how many failed attempts there were, like we might feel discouraged in the beginning, thinking that everybody just kind of has success automatically. Came out of the womb with all the skills and talents. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like I wasn't there for all of the failed attempts of all everything that came before that. And so it looks like miraculous, like, oh, this person is just godlike. (laughs) Right. And I think that's actually, this is a really great reminder because comparison is one of the things that we see a lot with our entrepreneurial clients is like, oh, well, that person's really succeeding in this way or whatever. But you don't see that they had their own Herculean Mm -hmm. montage Mm -hmm. that you you'll never have access to. You just don't know because like most Mm -hmm. people don't share all of their failures and their missed attempts with Mm -hmm. the world. We share the highlight reel. So keep keep that in mind. Yeah, totally. And also there's this other moment that I really appreciated is the first time that Hercules, he like comes into this village and he's like, Hey, you guys like need a hero. Maybe he comes in like super awkward. Yeah, And that's part of it too, is like, there's also this social aspect of like, and I have this strength and these skills, but now I have to like engage with people to see if they want it. And the first time he does it, it's so awkward. It's really uncomfortable because it's so relatable. And then, you know, then he has all of these uh, battles with all these monsters. And then it's like he develops this kind of bravado, this ability to just like show up and he's so confident. But again, like we didn't we don't always see those moments in the beginning of like the first time walking up to strangers and being like, I have this skill. Do you want do you want maybe want it a little? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> totally. And they don't give him a chance, actually, when he shows up that way. It, it, it took which I love this too is a great uh, lesson. It took a relationship that he previously had actually with someone who he had helped who came back to him for more help. Cause Meg showed up and she's like, Oh, there you are. Wonder boy. Like come, there's these kids trapped or whatever. And that's how he gets his first chance. And then that draws the crowd. And now people start to think of him as a hero. So it, uh, I love that he, he, he started with a, a network that he found in an organic way rather than just like going out and kind of, publicizing his services to the masses who didn't know him at all. So really interesting kind of side note there. Yeah, totally. Okay. So we have his strength, which is his skill set, his special skill set that he gets to use, the determination to apply that skill set, especially like, I'll just pause again for a second, after an entire lifetime of people not appreciating that skill for actually being ostracized for that skill. So that's like another thing that he has to overcome is like, And when I show up with my strength, I break entire villages and people hate me. So now he has to like figure out how to use it in a positive way. Okay. So we have his strength. We have his determination, but then we also have, for me, there's something in what makes a hero, something about values alignment. So something that the, and and maybe like life being able to help sustain life is part of it. What I mean by values, but for him to be, immortalized as a hero, he has to be remembered for something that people find value in. And I think that's like an interesting consideration because somebody could show up on the scene with strength and determination, but be using it that is maybe in a way like Hades also has his wit and his determination, but he's trying to use it for something that doesn't serve other people something that doesn't contribute to the greater good. And that for is the not dis- heroic. For the destruction of others, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, he's, he's the force of death. So he literally yeah. is using his powers to destroy and to break down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, a useful distinction. But also, I just want to hold space that the, the movie says 
just strength, his strength and determination actually do not make Hercules worthy. It is not, it is actually not his strength at all that makes him worthy at the end. And in fact, it's what makes him worthy at the end is his willingness to, <laughs> it's funny because, because I, the message of the movie, I think, is that it's like his willingness to sacrifice for love is his, like, is the thing that makes him a hero. But I think that there's actually another way of looking at it, which is that it's his, <laughs> I made the joke while we were watching it, which is his, like, his willingness to sacrifice himself in the pursuit of his own, like, selfish desires, which I think is really cool. It just, Hades wasn't willing to sacrifice himself. It, it, for the sake of his own selfish desires. And I think that might actually be one part of the clues, right? Cause he wasn't willing to sacrifice himself. He was only willing to sacrifice others, right. Or, or to use other people as pawns. And so that is one thing that Hercules is willing to do that Hades isn't willing to do, which is like sacrifice himself, like use himself up in the pursuit of it. I think there's a real power, a real lesson there in our own kind of heroic journeys, because it is like that, like ironclad determination to kind of do whatever it takes. Literally even like death first is kind of the idea. Like I would rather die than give up on my, on my purpose here in the world. And that is like what ultimately proves him to be the immortalizable hero, the the one that's worthy of being a God again. All right. So I think this is really useful because there's a game we can play where we're like, almost like playing this game with fate where we're like, Oh, well, I'll wait. If the world proves to me that this is my path, I, then I'll walk it. Right. And, and kind of Hercules is saying, no, like I'm going to walk this path. I'm walking this path. This path is for me. I'm going to do this. I will go the distance. I will go. I will use myself up in the pursuit of it. And that is what truly makes him a God at the end is his willingness to do that. Yeah. I think that there's something to be said for the toleration that moves him like unwillingness to no longer tolerate his a world where <laughs> i don't know but that he is living a, a life where he doesn't belong which is is super interesting because he has this massive strength and it could be leveraged for the good of the people that he's living with and they don't have the willingness to like work with him like hey you're using your strength this way like what if we use it like this and they could actually really benefit from having him around, but they don't see that potential in him. And so that he is no longer willing to live a life where he doesn't belong. And then just like you said, like that or death, like I will literally give everything that I have in pursuit of this dream. The dream of belonging. Again, the dream of for, belonging. Because for him, it's, it's really personal. That That is his core value is belonging. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And he's willing yeah. at the end of the movie, he's willing to sacrifice himself for that. So like, what I love about this is a kind of a model or a kind of a guide for we humans is to identify that thing. What is the core value that you'd be willing to die in the pursuit of? And what if we set our lives up around that? Mm-hmm. Right. Because you can see that he's not succeeding when he's not setting his, his life up around that in the pursuit of that. And, and he, by the way, it doesn't come easily. It's not like, Oh, I decide to, you know, dedicate my life to belonging and then I immediately experience belonging. <laughs> Right. Like that yeah, doesn't, totally. that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He then has a lot of work ahead of him. He has, you know, there's so much happens in the montage. Montages make movies so simple, but actually like that's where like most of our lives are going to be spent in the montage. And in fact, you can see that in the movie, literally like time goes by. There's like, you know, we have a month 
that we view before and we have a month that we view afterwards, but the vast majority of, and that's like the main part of the movie, right? That's where we, you know, all the watching happens, but the montage is the vast majority of his life is where he's doing is he's in the popcorn phase. You know what I mean? So I think it's really like useful to notice that he, that he picks something that is really meaningful to him to drive him through that process. Cause we have, have to have something that's going to motivate us to, to keep showing up for that popcorn process while it's not popping. Right. And then it, and it, that, to face the, like the not eat the ups and the downs and all that stuff. And so it's that dedication. So I think the invitation for us as people is to ask yourself, what is the thing that you'd be willing to die in the pursuit of? What is the thing that you take a stand for? What is the thing that you'd be willing to go through your own montage for the achievement of. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's like the the core message of the movie is the dogged determination for the sake of a desired state and the willingness, like, because I think there's like a shiny object that can come and it's like, you know, Meg shows up and he's like googly eye over Maggie, Mag. And then there's like this moment of like, is he going to get distracted from what he's really here for? Because maybe it would be easier to just have a romantic thing and not continue on the path of, you know, defeating all, like becoming a hero so that he can belong. I, I think that's super common for people to experience, like start getting into the discomfort and start taking action. and then allow yourself to get a little distracted because the growth is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's interesting too, because, because he does get distracted, but at the end of the day, he got distracted by the thing that was actually his purpose in the world. Like he wasn't really getting distracted in that moment, but he also hadn't earned the right to be with her yet. Like he hadn't earned her esteem. She was kind of like dismissive of him. And she was, and now we haven't even talked about Meg yet. Meg's got her own sort of, uh, demons that she's dealing with and she has been burned by love in the past. And, you know, now she's kind of closed her heart off to it and that sort of thing. And so like that's going on over here while also he has to like learn to, um, to be the kind of man that she actually, that she would actually want, even if he was willing to sacrifice himself for her. Okay. And so that's like something that's interesting. And then that brings me to Phil, who, because Hercules, you actually get this moment where he actually seems like he might have kind of gone off chasing Meg, right? But you have Pegasus and Phil who bring him back to his mission, to his journey, which is the importance of having a mentor or a coach, but also the importance of having a support network around you who believes in your ability to to become the hero that you're always meant to be i think that's yeah. really useful yeah i love the care i love phil's character because of the contrast that his that he plays with hercules and like the kind of relationship that they form is like so mutually beneficial because hercules comes to phil and feels like nah i'm retired like achilles that was the last one for me i'm publicly shamed for the rest of my life and so they have to like it's part of Phil's journey to help Hercules fulfill his journey. And so then now they're teamed up and they can help each other because there are all these moments where neither of them would have been able to achieve what they wanted without the other. Mm, totally. And actually um, Phil is almost the counterpoint to the, to the main motif of the movie, which is like 
give up, like don't give up on your dreams is like essentially mm-hmm. the, and, and Phil, when we first find him, he has given up on his dreams yeah. and he's kind of living this life that's kind of, yeah, his yard's trashy and he's just like chasing nymphs who <laughs> have want nothing to do with him exactly. at all. And, you know, he's grumpy and he's kind of like, you know, he's lonely and all of that is the kind of the sort of the, the formulaic exploration of what it means when you do give up on your dreams and mm-hmm. what happens to you, like what, how you degrade and despair yeah. mm-hmm. when you give up on your dreams. And then here comes Hercules and he's like, no, 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 really, you can do it. And he like inspires Phil to believe in his own dreams with his belief, with Hercules's belief. Yeah. And then Phil does the same thing at the end. Cause Hercules, like when Meg betrays him, which again, removes the, the, the essence, his core value is belonging. And when Meg betrays him, that stands in direct counterpoint to his love and belonging. And so that saps him of his, not just his strength, but his will. Right. And Phil has to come because he's just getting his ass kicked by the Cyclops, like just thrown around or whatever. And Phil comes, Meg goes and gets Phil. And then Phil comes and he, he says, look, kid, like, don't give up on your dreams. Like you can take this guy, like show up, like this is, you know, this is what you're, you know, what you're here to. And he kind of like re-inspires him around it, um, which is because he plays the exact opposite role in the beginning. Right. So it's like the, it comes full circle that Phil then helps Hercules remember his dreams and stay and believe in his dreams. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 What a great dynamic duo. I love, I love that part of the story. It's my favorite. Yeah. It's pretty cute. Yeah. I do want to talk about Meg because as we're talking about her, I think she, she embodies something really cool about freedom, which is, so Hercules is like, this is a case, case study. Hercules is, uh, you know, now a hero and he's like posing for the art or whatever. And uh, these girls get in at one point, the door opens up and all these like girls are just like, what? Fan yeah, girl. fangirls. And they're just like, blah, 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 and they like, they mob him and they like take him down. And, and it's so interesting because that is like what's available when Hercules is, is a hero, right? That, that he has that. And like, so he could theoretically, he could get that, that experience of belonging from any one of those people they'd be willing to do. Right. But he's not interested in any of them. He has zero interest. He, in fact, he wants to escape. Phil, help me, help me get out of this. Help me get out of this. Right. And then Phil, uh, kind of runs the escape plan, distracts the girls, they run off. And meanwhile, Meg was waiting behind the door and she comes in and she's like got a totally different energy, which she has had all along, which is that like, that like I could care less, you know, what you think about me sort of energy. Right. And I think that there is something really useful, really powerful in the metaphor of that for we humans is that like when, when you're so available, like those first women come in and it's in a romantic context, but this could be true in like any context with other people when they're, they're so available that they're not interesting. But meanwhile, Meg, like this kind of like almost cat energy, like she's like, you know, swaggering by kind of distracted. She's like teasing him. She doesn't really care. Like she comes off as like, she doesn't really care what Hercules thinks about her. And that is the one that is the woman he is like, just, he's so drawn to and so I think that this is a really useful metaphor for romantic relationships, but also um, business relationships for any time you're like interacting with other people. If we like come on too strong, if we're too available, it does this really weird thing. It's like this antithetical thing to desire because we want what we can't have. Essentially, it's well, this- I think there's some I think there's a lot of value in kind of the unknown or like the intrigue or if somebody kind of maybe is like 
yeah, I guess like too available is one way of saying it. Uh, but like having a little bit of like mystery about somebody, like something to be discovered, something to like kind of work for, it seems like. Yeah, something to work for, like mm-hmm. something that we that is not easily available to us. Mm-hmm. And that is like just really useful. So if like if you're ever like kind of having a hard time and you're like not getting the sort of the willingness from people mm-hmm. in the world, get curious about that. That is something that's like just a really uh, it's I on the on one hand, it kind of like sucks. It's like, oh, man, it sucks that that's the, like how ironic that the things that we want the most are the things that we're like, you know, that we're the least attractive to because we want them the most. Like, but also that is almost like this. Well, one is just accept it because <laughs> that is just like the way that the world works, uh, whether we like it or not. But the other is that it's actually kind of beautiful that that happens because it does create this like dynamic tension with our reality and that there is something yeah. really inherently satisfying about that dynamic yeah. tension that yeah. we don't get to experience if things are too easy. To yeah. Like if for the if you picked up a video game controller and you knew you would win the game every time, how long would you continue to play that game? Or how, it wouldn't sell. Like it'd be too easy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It just wouldn't be that engaging. Yeah, totally. And that is there's another metaphor in this story that I want to explore that's related to that. And it's in the beginning when Hades goes to the fates. And he kind of cajoles them into sharing the future with him. And they share that he's going to have this opportunity to release the Titans. And, but Hercules is going to get in the way. And what I, what I love about that is that I think that we, all of us have this desire to like know the future and like get some kind of sense of security from it. But even when we do know, there's no like escaping fate. And so it's, I guess I just like want to explore that part of the story. It's super oh, fascinating it. to me. Yeah. Cause Hades is trying to control. Yeah. That's his, that's his model for success. He's, he's trying to understand everything and control it. Uh, cause he, you might call this a kind of perfectionism or something like that. He, he like wants to know every possible outcome and control for every one of them so that there's no way that he can't win. Okay. So that's one model of like quote unquote success, but that's not Hercules's model. Hercules has no interest in the future. He's certain about the future. He knows that he's going to go the distance, whatever it is. Right. So he's make this, making this decision from within himself. And that is. Uh, the other kind of planning. So I love, I love this actually as a dichotomy in general for like how we approach uncertainty. There is the, there is sometimes the desire to like plan for and prepare for everything and like get everything control every possible situation. But the other side is to just really focus on your own strengths, your own willingness to face whatever challenges you might encounter. And I, I think that the story is saying, and I think that we all kind of know secretly in our hearts that if we do that second one, that's actually the key to success is if we really focus on, you know, our drive, our determination, leveraging our strengths in Hercules's case, it's a actual strength, but in our strengths, it might be other things, right. To leverage these um, capabilities that we have and really hone and focus on our, our capability, getting better and better and better at the things that we're good at that that is the path to success. Yeah, totally. uh, I think secretly we know that. What do you think it is? Because there, it seems to me that there's some level of self belief that wants to be in place before a person can become willing, like Hercules, to go the distance. 
to like, no, hell or high water, I'm going to figure this out. I'll die if, you know, if I, if I don't make it, I'd, like, I'd just rather die. I'll give up everything. And so, like, where do you think that self-belief comes from, that willingness to invest the time and energy when there is no, I guess, like, we don't have the eyeball that the fates have to know what the future will be? Like, what do you think it takes? Because I think that that question is, I think that's cart before the horse. Because I, I don't think that it takes self-belief to make the decision to go the distance. I, I think that we make the decision to go the distance first and self-belief comes afterwards. Like, like, so, or, or you might even say self-belief comes in the decision to go the distance, right? Like, cause he, what he's not saying is like, I, you know, I'm going to only take the wins. I'm going to like find the path of winning, right? What he says is I'm going to do whatever it takes. And he goes through a long period where he's failing over and over, quote unquote failing, right? Cause, but the, but the water temperature is lowering, but that happens. It's not like he has to believe in himself before he decides to go the distance. It's like deciding to go the distance is believing in yourself. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I love that. Like it's the same decision. Yeah. But I think there's something about in this decision making that maybe kind of requires a reconciliation with that failure is going to happen or that it will be uncomfortable. I love the phrase you use choose your hard. Mm-hmm. Choose your hard. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to go become a hero and to be, to develop the skills that you need in order to create the life that you most want. It's hard to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to be lonely and be, and feel like you don't belong and to not know how to use your innate powers. Choose your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pick your heart. I also love there's this statement that you use about what hard means that my yeah. brain complains. All hard means is that your brain's going to complain while you're doing it. Yeah. But which is really interesting because hard, it, it happens in both. It happens like I'm not belonging. That's hard. My brain complains. I'm not satisfied. I don't want to tolerate this way of being. And so if my brain is going to complain anyway, maybe it would make sense to do the other hard stuff of like face rejection, look silly, fail, have so many attempts of it not going the way you want until you can finally reach success. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer to that. I think everybody gets to choose for themselves. I think we all secretly know that we are a hero in our hearts and that we have access to it to go the distance. And, you know, that's not everybody's journey this time around. So, you know, it is what it is, but choose your heart. Like, which one do you want to live into? Which world do you want to create for yourself? Great conversation, Paigey. Exploring the metaphor with a true myth. I love that of all the freedoms that exist and what it really means to be a hero, which is to be willing to sacrifice yourself in the pursuit of your own selfish desires. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's my, that's my takeaway from the movie. I hope you all have enjoyed listening to this. Thanks so much for the conversation page. Thanks. Tim. Thanks so much for listening to the shift to freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. 
If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.